Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I'm Mark Lane. You can follow me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Joined as always by Sean Martin, who you can find on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL, where folks can do what, Sean? Hey, come on in, join the conversation. Like we're getting closer and closer and closer every week to talking some real football here in training camp around the corner. So I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I, I I I think that talking about basketball on grass. Is, is pretty exciting too. And we'll be talking about that a little more in, later on in the Hidden Yardage podcast when we talk about just OTAs and when we discovered them and how fascinating they are. But I'm really looking forward to tonight's show. And if you want to subscribe to the Hidden Yardage podcast, you can do so by going to Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. We're part of the Blogging the Boys podcast network. And we always thank our manager, well, I think it's managing editor, R.J. Ochoa, for uh, just this privilege. So, Sean, here we are. Like you said, we're just, we keep getting a week and a week closer to real, actual football. And one of the narratives over this offseason is that the window is closing for the Dallas Cowboys. And they didn't really make any moves that keeps that window open so much and we've talked about it really their draft class kind of addresses issues that could come up contractually in the future but I thought it was interesting that pro football focus this week had an article and Connor Livesay uh, touched upon it uh, on blogging the boys and by the way you can catch him on uh, the Wednesday show that he does with Mark Schofield talking about the uh, the Cowboys rookies comes out on Wednesdays. Uh, so basically Dallas has three players that made the top 25 under 25 years old list. It was CD lamb, Michael Parsons and Trayvon Diggs. So, and that tied the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the most selections on, by a team on that list. And so with Dallas having three players on that list, do you think that the window is actually still open for Dallas? That it's not exactly a narrowing aperture like it has been presented over the offseason? Well, I think in some ways it's open, but you know, the thing about those three players that you mentioned that are on the list, Lamb, Diggs, and uh, Parsons, is you know, they play positions where it's not just a one-man show. You know, Some of those positions are kind of only as good as your weakest link type of deal. And we, we have no idea, you know, we're going to find out, I guess, in training camp, which is kind of exciting, you know, to have those open competitions and every coach will talk it up as far as, oh, we all have the fact that 
we have open competition and, you know, these spots are up for grabs. The guys are coming in hungry every day. Well, you know, how about last year when it wasn't, that wasn't the case and you actually had, you know, some true veteran free agents who made a big difference and you still lost in the playoffs. So, you know, what's the deal going to be as far as what's the correct way to build this thing to keep the window open? I don't have that answer, but, you know, like you said, you need to have the guys where you can build around, but also know who's starting around them. You know, so for Trayvon Diggs, is it going to be Kelvin Joseph who proves himself as the true cornerback to opposite of him? You know, this year, yes, it is a nice luxury to have uh, Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown, some veteran presence there who can help ease, you know, whoever you want to play in there, whether that's Deron Bland, who is a late-round pick, and some other down-the-roster options. But you're going to have to find out pretty quickly here who can be that other guy around Trayvon Diggs so that he can actually just be you know, what pro football focus called him, which is one of the best corners in the game. The same certainly goes for C.D. Lamb. Um, is he ready to be a wide receiver one? I think we all think so and hope so, but is he ready to be a wide receiver one without any help elsewhere at the position? I think that's asking a, a little bit too much. So is James Washington or later in the first half of the season, Michael Gallup, ready to really take a lot of pressure off of Lamb? We'll find out about that. And you got Simi Fajoko and those types of guys as well. Then a guy like Parsons, you know, when you lost Randy Gregory, we all thought, oh, man, Parsons is going to have to be a full-time defensive end type of guy now. That's not really great. Yes, he can do it. It was a nice surprise that he's a great pass rusher as a rookie, but you also want him to play some linebacker. But then you brought back Doran Armstrong, you signed Dante Fowler, and the narrative quickly changed to, okay, now you feel okay at defensive end, not great, but just okay to the point where Parsons is part of the equation there, and that's what makes it feel better. But also, who's the linebackers that can play with him when you do play him at linebackers? It's just going to be Parsons and a bunch of nobodies. Jabril Cox is going to get a chance there. But, of course, he didn't prove much after he tore his ACL. So, you know, it's a matter of, yes, the Cowboys, we can all agree, have some cornerstone players to build around. There's no doubt about that. But that's been the case every time they've fallen short. The question when they fall short is, you know, why didn't you have other players ready to contribute? Why were you asking so much of your star players? Why was this guy basically a backup type player, but you had him in a starter role because you didn't sign anybody else? And that's, and that's what they're dealing with uh, this offseason. Yeah, and I think that with having those three players, though, it kind of lends insight, whether it's right or wrong, but it lends insight in – as to why Dallas went with a draft that addresses the future more so than the present. Because they're counting on having this nucleus, at least, on well, this t- tandem on defense of Parsons and Diggs for 23 and 24. And, I'm sorry, 22 and 23, which are the last two years of Diggs' contract. So you basically got your Dak and your Zeke on defense with those guys. And then with CeeDee Lamb, they figure that he's got the receiving core locked up. He's the star. He's the stud. And so that provides Prescott with some with, with some targets, with someone – that can get open, who can stretch the field, who can draw coverage, 
and open things up for other guys so that they can use this draft to address, like I said, the needs that come up in the future. So, for example, Tyler Smith, that's kind of, you know, addresses now with a guard, but it also may address Tyron Smith or if they want to get cute and let Terrence Steele go. Um, you've got Jake Ferguson. That addresses, for example, the Dalton Schultz conundrum because he's playing on a franchise tag this year. You, and so that's what I mean is I that when, though, when you see that list and you see that those three guys made it, it kind of makes sense why Dallas, Dallas did what they did in the draft. Like I said, whether or not it's right or wrong is up for debate, but it shows at least their logic. Yeah, part of the reason the NFL, you know, simply is what it is, you know, not to take, you know, this big of like a step back. It's not really the, you know, the point of what you're asking, but, you know, like part of the reason like this league just draws what it is is because teams can change so quickly. That's part of the hope and the appeal. And yet the Cowboys, they have, you know, more appeal than anybody, but they take the exact opposite approach. They try to sell this, oh, we're in contention every year, and that's why the roster doesn't change much. Or, you know, when we do lose somebody, we replace them with a similar type player because it wasn't the scheme and the personnel that actually did us in. It was just a matter of, you know, coming up a couple of inches short, which is, another re- which is another reason we all tune in, you know, to this game of inches every Sunday. And that's why, you know, a guy like Jake Ferguson not only could be your Dalton Schultz replacement just because he's a guy in the roster who might be here longer than Schultz, but because he actually plays pretty similarly to Schultz or the fact that, you know, we all thought Connor Williams was allowed to sign up the Dolphins and the Cowboys didn't think much of it because, you know, they weren't happy with his performance. But maybe that was more cap space related than we all thought because Tyler Smith actually plays pretty similarly to um, Connor Williams when you project what he's going to be able to do at guard. So, you know, they want to keep this thing mostly the same to say that, oh, this is our core of players and we're going to be able to go on to win. You know, even though, like you said, things change so quickly that the best teams usually are the ones that accept that and know that, you know, they can adjust on the fly and you end up with a Bengals team in the Super Bowl and, you know, all types of things like that. So, yeah, they've definitely been guilty of not being able to adjust as quickly as they needed to. There was a criticism of the entire Jason Garrett era, which went on for a decade, which is, you know, more than an eternity in this year in in today's game. So, you know, yeah, their ability to adjust uh, deserves a lot of criticism because, like you said, they're in maybe win-now mode, and that maybe is is determined by, you know, how many boxes they check with, oh, maybe Parsons continues to be a guy we could build around. Maybe Diggs is actually that long-term Android corner. You know, maybe all these things work out. And if not, they don't have the answer for, you know, what the replacement is other than continuing to draft and sign their own guys. And, you know, that takes years to develop. And that's why we're talking about not only this year's picks, but last year's picks being their nucleus to develop for the next couple of years. And that's when the window might actually open. But, if it doesn't open then, well, then you're talking about kicking this thing three, four, or five years down the line. And, you know, who knows what the hell Dak Prescott or any of these guys look like by then. So, yeah, it's a, it's a struggle to see this team adjust at a much slower rate than some of the more successful teams do in this league. But yet, you know, they won 12 games last year. You have to give them credit for that. And they're trying to play a pretty similar style of ball this year that might get them to that same point. 
that explains the maybe win now mode because I think they're gearing up for 24 when they need to get one last hoorah out of the combination of Diggs and Parsons and, like I said, C.D. Lamb. Explain that's really where they're moving all their resources, you think, is to 24. Yeah, it seems that way, you know. I I'm mean, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm living uh, – for some reason, I've skipped the year – 2022 i mean 23 sean or 23 that's what i mean yeah i mean i was trying to like forecast like what this thing's gonna look like in 24 i'm like i'm trying to think like how how old do i even be then you know but, um, but, um yeah i mean there is merit to saying this team certainly is building for 23 you're 100 spot on there you know people might if 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 you like that's the type of thing you have to like whisper and if you say it loudly enough like most Cowboys fans would come at you and be like, "Oh, that's ridiculous!" Like they still have, you know, they still have all this to win this year. Like we're gonna hold X player and Y player to the standard of we need to win right now. Well, okay, that's great. You, you know, even if you are building for twenty three, you should still hold your twenty twenty two players to the standard of trying to win games because they're not doing it at all in twenty two. How you're just gonna miraculously start winning in twenty three? But yeah, it does feel that way, but yeah, Mike McCarthy, you know, is going to feel some pressure this year. Kellen Moore is going to feel some pressure, and I guess maybe for part of this year, Moore can still play the card of like, oh, he's a young developing coach, but that kind of got old quickly, right? You know, it's definitely a put up or set up kind of time for him, and McCarthy definitely doesn't have that young, inexperienced coach card to play. You know, he's a veteran who's been around the block, and he's seen a lot in a short time with the Cowboys already, and so he wants to go ahead and try to win, and you know, if this front office and the scouting staff aren't giving him the players to win, then it's going to be kind of an unfortunate situation for what his future might look like. But as long as he's maximizing, you know, what Dak Prescott does with the offense, and by that I mean stepping in to help Kellen Moore, um, if the offense does hit kind of a similar dull point like it did a year ago, then that would be an encouraging sign. Seeing where you can still get out of Ezekiel Elliott, who's the core player and he didn't draft any, uh, additional help at running back, but you still have Tony Pollard. So those are the things to look for as far as trying to differentiate between what this year is going to look like and what 23 might look like, which hopefully could be a bright spot. And it, it part of the bright spot is Jalen Tolbert, but I feel like maybe people are expecting him to be too bright too quickly. What am I talking about? Take, for example, what was on bloggingtheboys.com last week. Uh, R.J. Ochoa, he relayed an article from Pro Football Focus where they listed Tolbert as a potential breakout candidate for 2022. He was one of six candidates that was listed as a potential breakout candidate. Now, this isn't just rookies okay it'd be one thing if it was rookies sean but they had tolbert pro football focus did listed among guys like brandon Ayuk, young veterans so you're telling me that tolbert is going to have a breakout year have a thousand yards and and everything as a third round pick from south alabama i'm not saying that on the course of his rookie contract he won't eventually go earn that second contract or even have a thousand yard season or 10 touchdowns. But I'm saying 
Are people expecting too much of Tolbert too quickly? I, it's just, I, it kind of baffles me a little bit. Yeah, I think they probably are in terms of, you know, you look at his tape at South Alabama and, you know, yeah, there are flashes of him kind of doing it all and he was clearly the number one guy there. So their entire RPO offense ran through him and you know, that's great that they were able to scheme him some touches. But, you know, when you talk about who Kellen Moore is going to have to scheme touches for this year, it's all about C.D. Lamb and then it's going to be Michael Gallup when, you know, when he's able to play. And on the point of Gallup, you know, that's the whole – the fact that he's going to miss the first couple of games of the season, that's basically the entire reasoning why there's even any expectations, I think, for Tolbert to do much in his rookie year. If you were going to start this season with Gallup, and I hit on this on the Twitter spaces that we do before every show, so you can check that out when we drop our Twitter handles every Sunday night. Um, we do those, and you can hang out with us on Twitter before we record this show. I hit on this where... You know, if you were going to have Michael Gallup to start this season, all Jalen Tolbert really is is your deep threat type of receiver, which is a great skill to have. Even as a rookie, this team needs more big plays down the field. And you can question if the offensive line is ready to hold up in protection to give Dak Prescott enough time to take those shots. But again, all you'd really be talking about is Tolbert being that vertical threat, take the top off a of defense, and then develop from there, which is a fine place to be as a rookie. And then you talk about you know, that development to go on and have that 1,000-yard season. But now because Gallup's not going to be there, it's like, okay, Jalen Tolbert, go do everything Gallup does, which we don't even quite fully know what Gallup does as far as him being kind of that next step up guy this year. I think we have a pretty good picture of, you know, what Gallup's play style is at this point, but there might be more to his game um, as far as the opportunities he's going to get without Amari Cooper anymore. But now Tolbert's going to be expected to be that guy as a third-round pick, like you said, and that's certainly a lot to ask. The route running is a plus skill of his. He can certainly, you know, not afraid to go over the middle. He said all the right things in his interviews, but what receiver doesn't? You know, it's a position that just exuberates conf confidence. I'd be way more nervous, you know, if any receiver anywhere, even, you know, the Colby's of the world weren't, um, you know, giving confident answers in their interviews. So, yeah, he said the right things. He's a guy who has a clear path towards getting snaps early as a rookie, which is always exciting and why they end up on these types of lists. But I think it's just so important to not forget that if it wasn't for the fact that Gallup wasn't going to be out there to start the season, you're talking about Tolbert basically just being a vertical threat. And now because you don't have Gallup, you're going to ask him to do a whole lot more than that. And it's kind of asking for disappointment. If Tolbert were to have a breakout season, Sean, I the recipe for it is he can't miss any time in training camp. He's got to be the guy in in training camp and someone that builds rapport with Dak Prescott. Uh, you figure that defensive coordinators are going to leave him alone for the first you know five games of the season at least till they can get tape on him, and he's got to excel during that time. I mean, really have big games during that span. When he starts to get attention, then the other receivers or other elements of the offense are going to have to take advantage of that and then draw attention back to them. And then now Tolbert is you know, not getting as much attention as he did, and then he takes advantage. It's just 
it's going to have to be consistently playing at a high level throughout the season. And I mean, starting in training camp. That's what I mean, is to sustain that, I don't know that for a third-round rookie, he's going to be able to. And that's why I just think it's shocking that he's listed as a breakout candidate. But that always goes into the high expectations that come with the Dallas Cowboys to begin with. And I think with Tolbert, the thing uh, to watch closely with him is, you know, like I said, he's a receiver that's not afraid to go over the middle, run the full route tree, those types of things. But I think we all got probably too accustomed to that being the only way that the Cowboys offense moved the ball kind of late in the year when they were struggling, right? It was kind of, you know, if Prescott doesn't throw an absolute dart to a receiver in coverage and he gets banged over the middle but still holds on, that's the only way they're going to move the ball. And so we're kind of, you know, hedging our bet on, like, oh, yeah, that's sustainable. Prescott's, you know, a pro bowler. Prescott's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So he's just going to keep doing that because that's what we're paying him to do. And we need the receivers that can help him out on that type of uh, production. And that's how this offense will be. That's not how this offense should be. You know, you, sh- you should be asking this offense to scheme more touches um, as far as open touches for not only guys like Lamb and Gallup, but, yeah, Tolbert can be in that mix as well. He got plenty of those types of touches at South Alabama as far as the screens and the scripted type of plays. So, you know, we all felt way too accustomed to watching Prescott just, you know, have to throw absolute darts into coverage uh, to keep this offense moving to the point where we think that's like a staple of Kellen Moore's offense and really the opposite should be true. You know, Prescott's still going to make plenty of throws to bail you out. It's just what he does. Uh, the, the throw to Cedric Wilson in the Patriots game to convert that fourth down comes to mind. That was the highlight of the entire season, if you ask me. And then he throws the overtime game when he touched down the CD Lamb, which is another nice scripted touch, you know, to Lamb going across the field away from coverage, and he gets in the end zone. So more of those types of things are what we should be expecting and not, you know, those types of tight window throws down in and down out where Tolbert can certainly show himself. But you hope it's not the case where, you know, week one against Tom Brady, you hoping to keep up with the greatest quarterback of all time by throwing tight window throws to a third-round rookie. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, you certainly hope it's not like that. Hey, speaking of Tom Brady and week one and trying to keep up with the greatest quarterback of all time, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, they've got a secondary coach who will be working on that in Joe Witt. That's going to be one of his jobs right out of the gate to start the 2022 season. And Witt actually is going to have an opportunity early this week at the NFL owners meetings to kind of make his case to be a coaching candidate. And not immediately, but just to get in front of coaches, I mean, in front of owners, and just say, hey, here's here's someone to watch throughout the process. 
because the NFL is coming out with their inaugural coach and front office accelerator, which is designed to provide minority assistants, um, you know, assistant coaches and also guys in, in front office a chance to put themselves in front of owners and just make their case. And this is something that when Tiki Barber and I were texting about it earlier this year, you know, he said they need to have an, a, a, something at an owner's meeting where they're getting in front of these people and they're not just doing it right when they're hiring coaches because that's the worst time to make a good first impression. And so Witt is one of those guys that the Cowboys are sending to, to take part in that coach and front office accelerator. And so I kick it to you, Sean. What qualities do you think Joe Witt has that are going to stand out when he's standing in front of those owners in Atlanta this week? I think foremost he has kind of that Dan Quinn trait where he relates to his players very well. And the Cowboys have been fortunate to, you know, over a pretty long stretch here to have kind of some consistency in the secondary. Yeah, things have changed in and out. And now you have Trayvon Diggs, who appears to be who they want to build around. But I've already mentioned veterans like uh, Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown. You know, you've had guys who have been here a while. You have Morris Claiborne, Brandy Carr, who were your starting tandem for you know seemingly forever. So it's a position where you haven't turned things over too much. And so to have a coach uh, in recent history where – He's had that relatability to the players and he's made that connection and made them feel wanted. I think that's the biggest thing. It's worked wonders for Dan Quinn as far as overseeing the entire defense, the connections he has to Mika Parsons, uh, and now even rookie Sam Williams, the second-round pick, is a guy who's already linked up with Quinn pretty well. And Quinn was at his pro day, and now they're going to try to get the most out of him to replace you know, a guy like Randy Gregory, who you lost. Yeah, so I think Witt has that combination of connecting to his players, but also the on-field coaching ability. You remember when Chris Rassard was the coach here and he got hyped up for not being afraid to you know, put some cleats on and go out there and practice with the guys. I think Witt has some of that element to him as well, but he kind of a more teaching reserved role as opposed to you know, Rassard just being an energy guy who in Seattle he could count on you know, his energy to carry over into coaching future Hall of Famers and Pro Bowlers. But did he actually really develop anybody in Dallas when he didn't have those pro bowlers to take that next step? I think that was a fair criticism there. But Witt has certainly developed uh, some players here with the Cowboys and brought them along. So, yeah, I think the technical teaching ability and the ability to get out there and really show these players what needs to be done as far as the players faking that he's there for him, the same way Quinn has done um, with the entirety of the Cowboys' defense, is all, are all things to look for with Witt. And the thing with Witt is he stepped in for that Houston Texans third preseason. Well, was it? I think it was the third. It was, yeah, the Cowboys' third preseason game. They they really messed me up taking away that preseason, making it three uh, preseason games. But he stepped in for that third preseason game against the Texans, and that was when Dan Quinn – he gets the test. He gets the call. He's uh, tested positive for COVID. He had to leave uh, AT&T Stadium. And so Joe Witt steps in and picks up the call sheet, and he's the defensive play caller for that game. And, 
and uh, Dan Quinn gave him props for that. But on August the 26th of last year, he said that Witt is actually ready to be a defensive coordinator. He said, quote, Joe is certainly ready to coordinate a defense, and he'll be ready when that moment comes. He already is ready. But just having the experience of doing it and getting your processes right, it's an important thing to go through, unquote. And Mike McCarthy also uh, raved about him. He was a part of uh, coordinating the defense when Dan Quinn had to take over as interim coach um, for that one game against the Saints on Thursday night football when McCarthy was out due to testing positive for COVID-19. So he's really shown himself not only with the Cowboys, but throughout his career because he was Dan Quinn's pass game coordinator and secondary coach with the Falcons in 2020. And, of course, he has that relationship with McCarthy from 08 to 2018 and a variety of defensive roles, most of them in the secondary. So he's he's 43 years old. He's really shown, even though he's just been a defensive coach, I mean just a secondary coach, he's had some measure of defensive coordinating experience. And I think when he gets in front of, of uh, this – you know, coach and front office accelerator, I think he's going to make a good impression with the rest of those owners. And he's, he's really going to stick out in their minds. By the way, the other gentleman that the Cowboys are sending is assistant director of college scouting, Chris Vaughn. Yeah. And Chris Vaughn, uh, you know, for Cowboys fans that might not be familiar has really just been a core part of the staff as far as, why this team is drafted as, as successful as they have. So they've also awesome veteran presences along that scouting staff. So, you know, maybe some concern long-term with uh, you know, how this team puts so much emphasis on the draft to build, and yet you don't have the guys who are responsible for a lot of these cornerstone players that came for the draft. But you could be less concerned knowing that they're trying to develop the young talent that they have there uh, and go forward with that and still be a team that – Oh, eyes on the draft for better or worse. That's exactly where they're at. And the thing with Witt, you know, you mentioned one of his former titles being a pass game coordinator. And that's just a great apprentice apprenticeship type of position. You know, it's not something where you're bogged down with just coaching one technique or one type of uh, player or one position group. You know, you can kind of have your hands in a lot of things as a pass game coordinator. So certainly by all reports, it seems like he's handled that well. You know, some coaches might – kind of get intimidated by the fact that they have that much on their plate and not know how to specialize and what they know how to specialize in and not be able to ask the right questions, all those types of things. But he certainly seems like he's learned every step of the way where he's gone. And like I said, he's also brought that relatability with the players everywhere he's gone to stick around here with the Cowboys. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fascinating when he gets in front of the owners for sure. And this week is fascinating for Cowboys fans, Sean, because it's we get OTAs, and they're just voluntary. Don't worry about it. Um, but they the organized team activities uh, they they kick off 
this week, at least in terms of media access. And it just it draws the question for me, Sean, when did you start to pay attention to OTAs? In you know, whether you're covering the Cowboys or as a fan, just when did you start to pay attention? So like what season did I start paying attention? Yeah, here. I'll answer it. Uh, for me, it was actually 2014 when Sean Lee tore his ACL on the first day of OTAs because I thought, uh, oh, really? So they, they actually have practice in the spring. Oh, that's fascinating. And then after that, just football really became a year-round sport for me because even though I was riding at other places a couple years before that um, – it just never dawned on me that oh they they they've got off season workouts and so forth. I just thought that you know they happened and stuff, and it just always puzzled me why Brian Broadus wasn't going and talking to players whenever he wanted, you know. So um, you know because he would say, well I, I saw Anthony Spencer you know walking in the halls at Valley Ranch the other day. It's like well why didn't you go talk to him? I mean we need the scoop. Anyway, so that's when it was for me was 2014. And then after that, like I said, it just became a year-round sport. Yeah, for me, then it's probably 2015. That was my first uh, season doing this as far as covering the Cowboys to any capacity. So 2015, I joined kind of right in that early OTA period to training camp. So that was probably the first year where I ever really paid much attention to training camp. But now it's become – one of my favorite times of the year to cover to any team, you know, and just the Cowboys, like I have, you know, it's really a time of the year for a lot of in-depth kind of roster analysis and scouting type work and breaking things down. So training camp has become a personal favorite thing of mine to a time of the year to cover. So we're getting closer to that. And like you said, before you get to that, you have these OTAs, which don't mean quite as much, but you can still gather something from that. So probably between 2015 and 16, you know, my second year doing it, uh, was when I really got anything out of OTAs. My favorite is when a high-profile player misses OTAs, and then the coach says, y yeah, but we got 99% attendance. I mean, our <laughs> attendance is high. Like, yeah, but your star player is not there and holding out. So, I remember when we, we were supposed to be happy that the Cowboys were able to talk Orlando McLean into coming to OTAs even though he was basically just in the sideline, like under a tree in a hoodie doing absolutely nothing. But it was like, at least he's here. He's going to work towards playing. And then they cut him, I think, like before training camp even came around. Uh, yeah. Um, those were the days, the Rolando McLean era. Also, Des Bryant not showing up for OTAs in 2015 uh, because he uh, they placed the franchise tag on him. That also uh, was interesting because he, he didn't go to anything. And then Zach Martin, actually, he held out of OTAs, but it was related to a contract thing on the advice of his agent, and he wanted to be out there so bad. But he also held out of OTAs, too. Yeah, I have an article coming soon on the front page of bargainaboys.com about kind of the most irreplaceable players on this current roster before training camp. You know, who are the guys that you can't afford to lose? And I'll give one away. Uh, Martin is definitely on that list. You know, he's been a staple of this offensive line and 
you could add the tackles to that list, that list too, probably at least Tyron Smith, uh, because Steele still has a lot to prove as far as being an every-down player. But you could you could put Smith on there, but at least the team has done the work to you know, try to have some depth at tackle. It's a lot of unproven guys like who they drafted this year and well, let's go and Josh Ball a year ago. But at least there's some names there that they felt good enough to draft. Maybe they'll feel good enough to put on the field, but it definitely gets a little bit more slim. Uh, for backup options at guard. So that's why, you know, Zach Martin going into year nine here needs to be that cornerstone guy that he's always been. For sure. And now we'll go ahead and get to Cowboys birthdays. This week we get started on Tuesday with Chidobi Awuzie. He played cornerback for Dallas from 2017 to 2020. He turns 27 years old. Yeah, I don't personally think any fan base still pays attention to uh, players who used to play here but have moved on like Cowboys fans do. I mean, have you ever put on Twitter during a Dolphins game when Byron Jones gets an interception? Like, it's insane. Like, I don't follow any Dolphins fans, I don't think. Maybe, you know, a few just by proxy, um, you know, friends that happen to be Dolphins fans. But I follow, of course, way more Cowboys Nation people than Dolphins fans. But, yeah, Byron Jones does one thing in a Dolphins game and it's like the world ended. I mean, it's like, oh, Cowboys, you could have had this guy. And it could it could be like an end of the half, like meaningless Hail Mary interception. And Cowboys fans still like to use it as a shot to say that, you know, they still wanted that player. So I don't know if there was the same clamor for Wuzier to stay here. I feel like it ran its course as far as what he gave the Cowboys. But yet here he was as a starter in the Super Bowl this year. So, you know, credit to him for sticking things out. And he made some controversial headlines when he said, um, Cincinnati's all about football and, you know, Dallas, there were more distractions and things like that, which is certainly probably fair. So, yeah, good for Wizier for being able to continue his career in the NFL. And we'll see if Cowboys fans still have the uh, longevity to pay attention to what he does for the Bengals this year, a team with a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, I don't know that anybody was feeling that way about Pete Hunter. He turns 42 years old on Wednesday, played cornerback for Dallas from 2002 to 2004 from Atlantic City, New Jersey, by the way, Sean. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I don't know. People he, are actually um, born in AC. I feel like it's just a place where you go and lose a bunch of money. At least I have. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, he was a part of bad luck for Cowboys fans uh, in 2006 when he signed with the Seattle Seahawks for – to play in the wild card game against Dallas. He didn't he hadn't played football all season. Last he played was with the Browns in 05. He he was a, working as a loan officer in <laughs> Dallas, but he signed with the Seahawks, literally comes in off the street and has five tackles, a pass breakup and recovers a fumble and helps the Seahawks beat the Cowboys. 21-20 in that consequential 06 wild card game. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, like there were there were some times here in recent Cowboys history where, you know, they were signing defense alignment and all kinds of players off the street. So like that was a real thing as far as you know knowing if those guys could play. But yeah, there's a great example of a guy who certainly you know it seems like he could play uh, coming off the street, being a loan officer. So yeah, that's a crazy story. And then on Saturday, Butch Johnson 
Turned 68 years old. He caught a touchdown pass from Roger Staubach in Super Bowl 12 when the Cowboys defeated the Denver Broncos 27-10. It was doomsday in the dome, but Johnson had that incredible catch where he caught it and did basically like a 360 and then landed and set the ball on the ground and then stood up. I'm sure Gene Sterator and would have called that, and Dean Blandino would have called that incomplete. But Butch Johnson, he turned 68 years old on Saturday. And then also on Saturday, Damian Wilson turns 29 years old. He is with Dallas from 2015 to 2018. And like you said, Sean, when he went to the Kansas City Chiefs the next year and started all 16 games and recorded 81 tackles and had a sack and a half and a forced fumble en route to the Chiefs winning their first, their second Super Bowl in 50 years. Oh, was there ruage that night? Yeah, the Chiefs defense is really struggling there for a while, and they brought in all these ex-Cowboys linebackers. It was, you know, Cowboys retirement party linebacker for him, Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson, and suddenly they were good enough to go to the Super Bowl. So, you know, certainly that has more to do with the offense and Andy Reid and the quarterback out there. But, yeah. That's a great point. You know, there was definitely uh, uh, some ire by Cowboys fans for seeing Damian Wilson be a lot more than he ever was here in Dallas. But as I kind of hinted to earlier, you look at this current linebacker depth chart around Parsons, and you might like to have a player like Wilson going into training camp this year, but you don't really have that right now. Maybe it's a guy like Jalen Kurz who plays that safety slash linebacker hybrid role. Um, but other than that, you know, you don't really have that type of player right now. Yeah, and speaking of the Chiefs that year, their top two tacklers, Anthony Hitchens with 88, Damian Wilson with 81. It hurts. Yeah, definitely. It definitely hurts. But, hey, uh, you here on the Hidden Yardage podcast, uh, we encourage you to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. We're part of the Blog and the Boys podcast network. And it's been a, a great week, Sean. Uh, you know, pork roll sandwiches and all that. Uh, but you know, it's it's been good. So uh, we'll, yeah, we'll just, not only we're one week closer to right. Cowboys training camp, but we're closer to getting you that pork roll sandwich, right? So. Yeah, I, admittedly, I haven't done any work on that. So I'll do some work on it this week. Um, you know, and we'll get that taken care of. So. I found my new favorite taco place here in Austin, by the way. Shout out to a, a place called One in a Million. It was just a great uh, taco experience. I went there on Saturday, and it was like a little bit of a wait outside. I was waiting with one of my coworkers, and so we waited it out. And when you go in, the owner was right there, and he's like super enthusiastic about people caring so much about his restaurant because it's always crowded. So the owner like makes you feel welcome. He shakes everybody's hand, and when I was waving, I told him it was my first time. And he's like, oh, welcome. So that was awesome. And we had some great tacos there and some mimosas and all that. So, um, yeah, shout out to one in a million. Usually my favorite tacos are the ones that you get in downtown Austin because those will help you out very much when you're having a night of drinking going on. Every bar has like a taco truck, so you can just order a drink, walk up to a taco truck, and then you're doing pretty good. But this is like more of a sit-down restaurant with some tacos, and they were delicious. So, uh We'll get you that pork roll sandwich, and then maybe next time you're in Austin, we'll get you some tacos as well. Yeah, yeah. If I come to Austin, and to be honest with you, when I was 
down in Bay, I call it Baylor, Waco, um, over the weekend, I did think about, you know, maybe connecting with you, but then I had to get back real I just had to get back. So it was Wait, so what, like what was your itinerary? What time did you leave Arkansas and what day and at what day and time did you get back? All right. So our Texas Sports Hall of Fame media inductions. I left at 11 o'clock, in, actually 1130 in the morning on Saturday, the 20, 21st. I got down there at 515 and then thing got over at nine and then drove back and then turned in the rental car da, 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 and got back home at 4 30 in the morning on sunday the 22nd is there a bucky's along that path did you stop have you did you stop no, at i bucky's? did not stop at any of the um at any of the consulates for the republic of texas you've been to bucky's though right? Oh yeah, for sure. I get my um, um, sister-in-law beaver nuggets or whatever they're called, <laughs> but not this time. I just I had to get back. Yeah, I don't have a Bucky's all that close to me, so the only time I've been was pretty late night coming back from that Cowboys Giants game that I went to this season. But yeah, it was definitely a cool, uh, cool thing to see how much pride Texas has, and you know, it's like I'll call it a gas station, but anyone from Texas listening knows it's much more than a gas station and it truly is, you know, seeing how many pumps they have and then the food and all that. So you missed out on Bucky's, but I know you had some water burgers. That's pretty good too. Yeah. And really when you think about the blog and the boys podcast network, it's kind of like a Bucky's in terms of it has everything you could possibly want. So check us out of the blog and the boys podcast network on Apple, Spotify, tune in and Stitcher blog and the boys.com. I'm Mark Lane. Follow me on Twitter at the real Mark Lane, Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL on Twitter. You've been listening to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. So there it is. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.